Welcome to episode two of The Modern Extractor, a podcast focusing on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction lab. I'm your host, Jason Showered, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. If you've listened to any of the previous shows, you know that season one is focused on ethanol extraction and post-processing, and each episode focuses on a particular stage in that process, following the material through the lab from start to finish. If you haven't listened to any of the previous shows, welcome to The Modern Extractor. In today's show, we'll be talking about how to select the right biomass for extraction, as well as how to prepare that biomass for the most efficient extraction possible. We'll have Bree Tolp from Futurola on with us later in the show to talk about how their shredders are the best tool to get you to your ideal mill size. But first, let's talk a bit about how to find good material to extract from. Obviously, the easiest way to do this is to get a sample, send it to a lab, wait for the results, and then purchase material that meets the right cannabinoid concentration specs for whatever you're trying to produce. In a perfect world, there would always be time for this, and it's absolutely how it's done for the large-scale industrial operations. It's really important to buy this way if you're a CBD producer buying hemp so that you can ensure the material is not too high in THC content. Buying hot hemp could actually cost you more in chromatography to remediate the THC from the final product than the CBD will be worth in the end. There isn't always time to wait for lab results in the procurement process, and this is where an experienced eye can make a big difference in your bottom line. If you're at the scale where you're extracting a thousand pounds or more weekly, it's unlikely that all your biomass is coming from the same farm all year round. That means that there's likely to be a broker involved who is collecting from a bunch of different farms to sell to extractors. With that being the case, there are often many different batches of biomass added to one load. Hopefully they're separated, often they aren't. Hopefully the broker will tell you the story behind the load, but, well, brokers. And even if you trust your broker, he could have been misled. So a thorough inspection isn't rude, it's just good business. First things first, we're going to look at all the different bags. The actual physical bags that the material's inside of. Not every farm packs their material up the same way. Not every store sells the same bags. Is there any tape on any of the bags? How are they closed or tied? This will be our first clue as to whether or not there are multiple batches in the load. If there does appear to be multiple batches, we're going to want to open and inspect a couple of bags from each. Dig down past the top and into the middle of the bag. Get a good handful. Pull it out, palm up, give it a good squeeze in your hand, and then let go. Good material will stick together when you let go and keep the same basic shape it was when it was squeezed in your hand. We call this the squeeze test. After the squeeze, rub it together between your hands like you're warming up at a fire. See how crumbly it is. If it turns to dust, it's not ideal, but it'll still work if it passed the squeeze. The best case scenario is that it breaks a little, but still has some moisture content, so it rolls around and compresses and sticks to your hands a little instead of powdering. Leaving a little of what you just rolled around in your hands, bring both hands up to your face and get your face down in there. You know what smell you're looking for. One thing to pay attention to with the smell test is the presence of any alcohol or solvent odors. Keep your eyes open when you get your face down into your hands to give it a smell. If your nose misses it, your eyes may water a bit in the presence of solvents. While the industry is slowly cleaning itself out and the honorable business folks are rising to the top, there are certainly some bad actors out there still in the mix. Some rascally brokers have even been known to sell material that's already been processed. This is referred to as spun trim if it appears to have been processed with alcohol in a centrifuge, or blown trim if it appears to have been run through a hydrocarbon column. I've even seen some quote-unquote fresh trim come in that still holds the shape of the column it was processed in. This will look like little biomass hockey pucks that are usually three to six inches in diameter. 
There are some vapor probes you can buy for this, but I find them less reliable than these inspections. As you process material, pay attention to what your own processed material looks and feels like after it's had a chance to dry out. If it looks and acts like that, don't buy it. Okay, so we've got our hands on some good quality biomass. Our lab tests came back at 12%. It squeezes and smells nice and sticks to our hands, and it's going to make some beautiful goldies. The next step in ensuring we get everything we can out of this material is to make sure that it's milled to the ideal particle size. There's a bunch of machines out there that say they do this the best, and many a booth full of promises at BizCon. Extractors use everything from shredders to hammer mills to mulchers, blenders, food processors, you name it. If it chops things up, we've tried it. If there's one thing not lacking in this community, it's innovation and willingness to think outside the box. For about 100 bucks at your favorite big box hardware store, you can get a Toro Mulcher that'll do the trick, but it's a bit of a pain to use. When you run it forward, it's a leaf blower that blows air, and in reverse, it's a mulcher that sucks material through the metal fan blade and mulches it into a collection bag. Unfortunately, if the material's dry, it powders it up pretty well, even on the lowest setting. When the time comes to invest in a machine that will mill as fast and accurately as possible, look no further than a Futurola shredder. When choosing your desired mill size, there's a lot of factors to consider. Mill it too fine, and it will break more cell walls in the material, allowing for more chlorophyll and undesirables to be extracted. The finer the particle size, the more ethanol will be retained in the biomass after the spin cycle of your centrifugal extraction. After a run through the centrifuge, all of the ethanol that is retained in the biomass is not only a loss of ethanol, but a loss of desirable oil that you have just dissolved into the ethanol. This ethanol retention loss issue is often compounded by the fact that the same batch of ethanol is regularly rechilled and used to extract from multiple batches of biomass before being run through an evaporator and having the oil separated out of it. The process of evaporation and ethanol recovery is often a lab's biggest bottleneck, so it's a current industry standard to use one batch of ethanol to extract from multiple batches of biomass. From a solubility standpoint, there's probably room to dissolve seven or eight batches of biomass into the ethanol, but your loss rate from the ethanol retention in the spun biomass would make this inefficient. The correct mill size for your extraction SOPs is critical. You'll be able to extract slightly more with a smaller mill size because the ethanol will be able to make contact with more of the surface area of your biomass in the centrifuge, but more of the ethanol will be lost to retention in your biomass after the spin cycle your particle size decision should be made based on the following factors. One, what is your evaporation capacity? If you can run your ethanol through one bag of biomass and send it off to evaporation without bottlenecking yourself at the evaporation stage, this is the best way to minimize loss of oil. However, if this is the case, you'd probably be better off buying an additional centrifuge and figuring out how to send micella that has two or three passes on it to the evaporator. Two, what is your cost of ethanol? If you're paying a premium for ethanol, then the ethanol loss in finely milled material will start to add up. It isn't going to make or break your operation, but it is one factor to consider when making mill size decisions. Cost cutting is going to become a bigger factor with the industry heading towards larger, more streamlined operations producing more product. Three, what is the cost and accessibility of your biomass? If you can get biomass readily and inexpensively, then the extraction efficiency may not be as important as it would be if you were paying a premium for it. If this is the case, larger particle size that may leave a small amount of desirables behind but won't retain as much ethanol may be ideal. Four, what is the demand for your finished goods? 
If there's an infinite demand for your finished product, and as soon as it's produced, it's out the door, the goal should be to produce as much as possible as fast as possible. That said, it may be worth the retention loss to run your ethanol through more bags of biomass than you otherwise would so that your micella is as rich as possible. This will decrease evaporation time and increase your gross output. If three or more bags will be run on one batch of ethanol, keeping the mill size between a quarter inch and five sixteenths inch is ideal. In my experience, a quarter inch particle size and two centrifuge runs on one batch of ethanol was ideal after plugging in answers to the above questions. Depending on your variables, a range between 3 sixteenths and 5 sixteenths of an inch particle size is the sweet spot. If you're running sugar leaf trim, larger particles are okay because they aren't dense. If your biomass has dense flour in it, smaller particles are better. The idea is to make sure the ethanol has the ability to easily flow around all the surface area of your material. Sometimes the ethanol won't penetrate and extract from the center of dense nugs if they're left too large. After your materials build to your chosen particle size, it's time to bag it up for your centrifuge. Centrifuge bags are typically made from a light nylon mesh sewn into a tube with a flat bottom and a flat zippable top. These bags allow for ethanol to flow freely through your biomass and dissolve the compounds you're extracting, but they keep all the biomass contained so that it can easily be removed from the centrifuge after it's been extracted. Examine your bags regularly and be prepared to retire bags that have holes in them. Your downstream filters will definitely thank you. It's worth noting here that if you've done a good job milling your material, there will be less stems to poke holes in your bags and they'll last longer. Well, now that we've gone over how to select your biomass and how to choose your ideal mill size, let's talk to Brie about how Futurola shredders can help you get there. The Modern Extractor would like to welcome guest Brie Tolp of Futurola to the show. Welcome. We're happy to have you here today. Thanks, Jason. I'm happy to be here. So Brie, where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from sunny Los Angeles, where we are, you know, in lockdown. I am also in the Los Angeles area and also under lockdown. But hey, that gives us plenty of time to talk about Futurola. So give me a bird's eye view. Tell me what you guys do as a company. So Futurola actually started in 96 in Amsterdam. Um, you know, we had we have a Futurola coffee shop, funny enough. Um and if you go there now, you'll see Futurola rolling papers and everything and all the different coffee shops all over Amsterdam. When we first started, though, we were focused more on the consumer side of things, you know, so we did rolling papers, grinders, um, these really incredible hand rollers that are just really simple and easy to use. Uh once we decided to bring it to the U.S., you know, we started pushing that same market here, grinders, rolling papers, all these different accessories. But going to all these trade shows and talking to all these different companies, we realized that was that there was really something that was lacking here. Um, that there's all these people that are, you know, they're producing pre-rolls and they're, they're doing all these different things, but they don't have a solution for it. So we started building the brand and we started coming up with ideas to make things easier uh, streamlined and just better for production. That's when we created the cones. That's when we came out with the knockbox, which is the machine that does a hundred pre-rolls in two minutes, uh, which we actually just released a new one that does 302 minutes. That's when we developed, um, the first shredder, which I know we'll touch base on this, uh, you know, shortly. Um, you know, so we really went from this consumer side of things to more of now, you know, business to business now where we're working with these companies to help them fulfill all their pre-roll needs. Nice. So how did uh, Futurola's material prep products for pre-rolls become a uh, staple of extraction lab material prep? How'd, how'd that all come about? So we 
we created our first shredder in 2016. And the reason why that came about is because we had, right, we had the knockbox. So we have this incredible, easy to use, extremely affordable, um, you know, piece of equipment that's going to produce a hundred pre-rolls in two minutes, but we don't have a solution for them to grind up their product. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening will understand the way to grind up product was a food processor. It works great. It's dandy. It's cheap. You have them at home. They're easy to get. But the problem with that is that you're not getting a consistent grind. So when people were using that with the machine, they're getting, you know, powder at the bottom, thicker material at the top. And when they're using it to run in the knockbox, it's giving them inconsistent fills. So they're like, well, you have this incredible machine. Why don't you have something to go along with it? Um, and that was really when we, you know, created the shredder. Um, and from doing that, you know, So I joined the team in 2018 and I worked, you know, at all these different grows across California. Um, And our first shredder that we came out with was basically an empty barrel with uh, almost like they're specialized weed whacker whips. Uh, They're moving at extremely quick speed to grind up the material. It's all based on time. So Uh, It's about two to seven seconds on average to grind up anywhere from one to seven pounds, but it's all based on time. So depending on the time you set and the material you're working with, that'll give you different material size. Now, when I came in, uh, we had just released the super shredder. The super shredder is uh, the unit that has a screen built into it. That That's this three millimeter screen. So that screen is going to separate the stems and separate any other thicker piece of material that you don't want in the pre-rolls. Is, is uh, that sh- super shredder the, uh, the most popular one used in yeah. extraction prep? Yes. And the reason being because when a lot of companies that are processing material for extraction, I mean, there's all different types of material that they're using, right? Um, but for the most part, they're getting a lot of biomass and it's, it's not like it's just clean, you know, beautiful pieces of broken down material. It's there's sticks, there's stems, there's, it, it needs to be cleaned up. So by being able to process it with this screen in there, that screen is separating the sticks and the stems from the good product that you want to use. So there's no other sifting process needed after. And like I said, you're doing this in two to seven seconds. Let me stop you for a second here. What I what I like to try to do is when we're talking about a machine on the show, uh, I like to picture my my listeners driving or not in front of a computer, so they can't just click on and see and see what it looks like. So let's give a, a description of. Uh, you said the super shredder is the one that's the most popular for extraction. So let let's describe the. Uh, can you describe the whole machine for me and and what it looks like, how it works, and uh, and and what it's all about. Oh boy, I will try to describe this in a way that your readers understand or your listeners will understand. Um, Okay, so the super shredder. So essentially it's, we have have two different models of it, but essentially it's a, think of like a, just one big metal barrel, um, one big round metal barrel, but at, at about maybe two feet long by two feet wide, let's just call it that. At the bottom of it, you're going to have a hole cut out And on the inside, you're going to have a metal barrel screen. That screen is going to have those three millimeter holes in it that I was talking about. In the center of the machine, you're going to have a rod with food grade nylon whips coming out around it. So essentially, the the product is going into the shredder. 
there's also, there's a lid that obviously closes and latches. Um, but the product is going into the shredder. You're latching the lid. There's a small timer on top. You're setting the timer for super shredder. I'd say start with four seconds. I like to be safe in case their product's too dry. Um, and once you press start on that timer, these whips are going to spin, spin around extremely quick, grinding up the material. Uh, it's going to push all of the good material out of the bottom of the hole in the bottom into a bag. And the sticks and stems are going to stay in the barrel separated from the good material that you're going to use. So the, the, the whips won't break mm-hmm. up sticks and stems, but it will break up all of the stuff that's connected to those sticks and stems. And then that will fall through the, the basket or the screen uh, yes. just from, from the centrifugal force or from the just the motion of it getting whipped around inside of there, it makes its way through that screen and out of the shredding chamber, if you will. And then that falls down and out into some kind of a collection vessel. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Right on. So since learning that your products uh, were being used for extraction material prep, uh, have you guys made any changes to the shredder offerings that you have or done anything designed specifically for the extraction industry? The changes that we did make in regards to Super Shredder is that when we first released it, we just released it with that three millimeter screen because that three millimeter screen gives you the perfect size for pre-rolls, right? It's going to give you the same size as if you were to use a hand a hand grinder. Still has some fluff and life to it. Uh, most companies, when they're you know grinding up their material for extraction, they're looking for it a little bit finer. So we did a we created a one point nine millimeter screen. So that's going to give them the finer material size. Now, on the other hand, we also have a few companies that prefer a little bit larger material size for their extraction. Um, And so we also have a four millimeter screen size. Um, So that's what's available right now. And then we are working on some other things, um, you know, to keep your eye out on. I can't give you any any hints right now, but we are working on a few other things in terms of uh, capabilities for the shredders. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, we were just talking to uh, Adam Chambers from Delta. Uh, he said to say hello, by the way, because uh, he he plugged uh, Futurola shredders as as, as the, the go to way to get the best milling for uh, for for the centrif- centrifugal extraction. Yeah, you'll have to tell him I say hello. Yeah, we see um we see Delta separations at all of the tra- not every single trade show, of course, but many of the trade shows. Um, and so we've, you know, we've been in talk with that, with that team for a couple of years now, and, uh, they're actually looking to, um, they're going to be, you know, adding the shredders as an option when selling their extraction equipment as well. Nice. Yeah. When we bought our first Delta, there was, uh, no, they weren't really standing behind anybody and there was a lot of experimentation to be done. We, I mean, we started out with the food processor, which took hours and hours and there was mm-hmm. somebody there food processing for ever, uh, which is not the most fun in the, uh, job in the, in the shop. Yeah. Uh, and then I've just gone through everything. We went to, uh, at one point, I think we were working with a, uh, a Toro mulcher that we were running on reverse to mulch and, uh, and that worked all right. But, uh, I certainly after using one of yours, it was just like, okay, we finally, somebody made the right thing for the job. Yeah. And then you also know, uh, I don't know if, if they've told you this, you have anyone else told you, but, uh, we even have clients that use them for fresh frozen material. Are you familiar with the fresh frozen? I am. I'm familiar with it. I, uh, how, what, what does your, your machine do, uh, really well for the fresh frozen? Is it just really nice with the, uh, with that consistency? 
Yes. And you actually, so with the fresh frozen, you wouldn't use it, one of the supermodels because the screen, it, that's just, yeah, you're not good. You're not going to want to use the screen with it. Um, at least not right now, just because obviously the material does uh, come up to temperature pretty quick. Um, so the screen would just be creating an extra mess. Um, but we do have clients that use the either primarily use the mega or the custom mega, which are about five and seven pound units. They don't have the screen built into them, but it's just, yeah, extremely quick for them to break up that material. Um, I had a client that was using it in, was actually using the shredder in their freezer (laughs) for a while. I was about to suggest that. Yeah. Put it in the freezer. Yeah. And then I had others that just were really quick on taking it in and out. Um, and so they were, they weren't doing it in the freezer, but they were just very quick to take the, the, the bags in and out and process it. Gotcha. So determining the, the particle size on, on your machines then is pretty much primarily a function of whatever size screen or basket you have in there. Correct. So for, for the super shredders, yes, you're, you're exactly correct. Uh, whatever screen size you have in there is going to determine your particle size. Um, on the regular shredder models, it's, it's going to be based on time. And obviously that time will vary based on the product that you're putting in there, right? Uh, the weight, the size of the product, the density of the product, and then also the moisture content as well. Um, so that can all be adjusted just by adjusting the time on there. Yeah, my next question was actually about uh, moisture content and material. I know uh, from from all of the experimentation that that we had done uh, at my old shop about you know from food processor on to Toro mulcher uh, to hammer mills to all kinds of different stuff, um, they all acted very differently depending on whether there was you know like a nice cure on the material or if it was just you know trim that had been kind of neglected after being trimmed and turned into very dry material, um, which still has plenty of cannabinoids in them and, and, and definitely can still be extracted, but it just makes the, uh, the process of getting it down to the mill size you're looking for a little bit more difficult, the drier it gets. So with your, with your shredders, um, how do they work with, with dry material? What, what would you do differently if you had a, you know, some dried out stuff versus something that's got a, a good cure on it? it's going to be again, a time thing, right? Uh, with the regular models, I always suggest less time. You can always, ta- uh, you can always add time, but you can't take it away. So if you overgrind your product and turn it into powder, you can't undo that. Um, so yeah, in a case where your material is extremely dry, it's just a matter of less time. Um, with the super models, it's, it's still pretty much based off of the screen size. Um, again, it's not using blades, so you're not completely shredding it. Uh, the, the nylon whips do get a bit even though it's very quick and effective, it's much more gentle. Um, the, you know, we suggest about a 9% moisture content on the uh, material. Obviously people's varies a little bit, but that's, that's a pretty good moisture content to be using with the shredders. Longer runtime, but probably a more accurate uh, and more consistent final particle size, right? Yeah. You know, 9% is pretty good. Um, so you'll get a little bit more accurate. Uh, as long as it's not, you know, it's, it's kind of funny with the shredders, as long as it's not extremely moist, you know, here's, here's really the key to it, right? If you're putting your material in there and it's not processing it for some reason, it's too wet. Um, I have people that, you know, they put whatever in there and they tell me it's not grinding it up. It's sticking. It's this and that it's, you know, the problem is you just need to cure it another day. Start with another day and then go from there. Gotcha. Okay. So for, for, uh, your super shredder, how long would it take, 
uh, to process 10 pounds of material down to like a quarter inch mill size? Uh, about 10 seconds. <laughs> that is fast. Man, that, that beats <laughs> yeah. hours with a food processor. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, that's and that would be using our, you know, whether you use the, the Super OG that does three pounds or the Super Mega that does five and a half. Um, you know, the three pound one you're looking at, you know, 15 seconds max. And the other one you're looking at about 10 seconds. So you open the lid, pop the material in there. Uh, Mm -hmm. what do you fill it to like a quarter full or half full? You can actually fill it. You can fill it completely full. Um, as long as you're not like pressing it and packing it down in there. Uh, most people, I would say they typically fill it about three quarters of the way. Um, when they're trying to fill it to capacity, some people fill it all the way up and then it, it really just depends what the company's doing. Gotcha. So with one of the ones that has the, uh, the exit port, if you will, for, um, for the material to fall out of after it goes through the screen, uh, you'd basically just be rotating it up, popping the lid off, filling some material in there, put the lid back on, flip it down to its side. It's on like a, um, it's on hinge. a stand. They're on it. So they, they come on a stand. Um, they're going to come on a stand that has two wheels in the back. Um, so they're, yeah, again, just like you said, you're, you know, propping it up, putting the material in, then you're positioning it, uh, horizontal and running it. So that probably takes, I don't know, not, not very long to do all of that, flip it on its side, run it for maybe five seconds. And then you're just popping it back up to vertical refilling material in the machine and, and keeping that up. And then you can, and then, and then when you're done, um, some people like to dump their stems out because you actually can can flip the thing completely upside down to dump the stems out of the barrel. Some people like to do that every run. Other people will, you know, do five to ten runs on the machine and then they'll dump their stems out. I would imagine your uh, your whips last longer if you empty it every time. Yes, uh, you, yes, definitely. All right. Uh, how long do they typically last before you have to replace them? So the whips typically last about, uh, I would say anywhere from four to six months. Now, uh, that would be, you know, using it, you know, pretty much all day, you know, eight hours a day. Um, if you are running, you know, a thousand pounds a day in there, um, you may need to replace them a little quicker. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I know I asked you this earlier and you kind of danced around it a little bit, but I just see it uh, towards the tail end of my questions I've got written down here. Uh, do, do you guys have any plans that you can, uh, you know, release here first uh, about what you, any products to launch into the extraction industry or anything you want to, you know, tell, tell listeners uh, to be excited for? Oh, I wish I could give you more information. If we did this in a couple of weeks, I would, but, um, we are, we are working on, we are working on making, um, you know, a few modifications and coming out with some new units, uh, to be, to have even more capabilities. Uh, unfortunately I can't give you any more information than that, but uh, yeah. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is there is stuff coming that is targeted at us extractors and we should, uh, keep, keep, uh, keep, looking at the website, keep checking up on, on what's going on. Where, where do you plan to release this information when it does come out? So the, you know, the first people that'll hear about it will be, you know, obviously some of the extraction companies that we work with. Um, so Adam at Delta will be, will be one of the first. Um, and then you'll be able to find that information on our website as well. Um, if you're already a client with us, you'll get a nice email blast. And like I said, if you're an, a client that we know does extraction, we'll be reaching out to you ahead of time. Um, but yeah, just keep your eyes out on the website. Okay. 
So we're all stuck at home, quarantined, and not able to go to our, our regular networking events. Um, BizCon getting canceled was a big bummer for for everybody that loves to go out there and you know see see their uh, their cohorts in the industry and talk about everybody, what everybody's working on and what the latest and greatest is. Um, but they did a virtual BizCon this year. Um, not as much fun as, as yeah. Vegas, but, uh, but, but definitely, uh, interesting. Did you, what did you guys do as far as your offering for virtual BizCon? Well, you know, we'd love to be able to bring you the, uh, the whole shebang <laughs> like we do at the, the regular, uh, BizCons. I don't know if you've seen our booth there. I have. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, video floor, video wall, um, for the virtual show, we did, we did a booth for the virtual show. We had, you know, videos up that everyone could take a look at. Um, but it's, it's really hard to, to translate, um, or to compare, I, I guess not translate, to compare the virtual shows and the real life shows, just cause you don't have the ability to do as much of these exciting things that you can do. Um, you don't have, don't have the face to face. So yes, we had a booth. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't give you the full future effect. Gotcha. I've seen your your updated uh, sizzle reel that you guys came out with when we first started talking about doing this interview. So I'd imagine you definitely had that playing. Yes. Oh, the the sizzle reel was playing. That we just that was a new video that we shot pretty recently. Um, so we had that playing. That was you know the first thing you see when you when you came to our homepage or our our booth. Um, and that really you know for most people seeing those videos and seeing the machines in action that that really helps them understand how they function because when you talk to people about pre-roll machines or, or shredders or, or anything in the industry most people are thinking these big industrial units that take up an entire room and are you know 350 to 500 thousand dollars um you know for a machine that'll process pre-rolls and for these industrial grinders um, and you know, our price point is about four to 10,000 at your, at your biggest unit. All right. So you guys are pretty close in price to a lot of the other machines that are being used out there for material prep, uh, to wrap things up a little bit. What are you most excited about for the future of the cannabis industry? Number one is just, uh, the legalization everywhere. Um, to me, that's the most important aspect Um, but in terms of like what I'm excited for, uh, you know, on any other end, it's just, it's really the innovation and seeing what companies do. And, and, you know, we've had, you know, we have pre-rolls and you have flowers and you have edibles and now you have tinctures and beverages and all these different things. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, when you take the, uh, the, the shackles of prohibition off and, and really let people run with innovating, uh, how many leaps and bounds of advancement can be made in an industry as soon as it, it comes to the light and people that, uh, aren't on the fringe are, are now able to be let in and, and be comfortable with it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, you know, it was so, um, when I started working in the industry, I was, most like most other people, you know, it, it was a black market industry. Uh, you can call it, you know, gray areas, but, but that's what it was. And, and so to see it come to light. So, I mean, to me, it seems quickly, you know, people have been, you know, growing for years, but it seems like it, it, everything sped up pretty quickly in a couple of years. Um, it'll just be really nice to be able to make it something that an alternate option at also in, in terms of medicine, right? Uh, Absolutely. there's all these incredible benefits for it, but they're even now that it's, it's been legal, you know, legalized in some places. Um, even though you can go into the stores and you can buy these different products that are supposed to help with this ailment and that ailment, unfortunately, because 
they can't do these, you know, clinical tests like they can with other things. Once they're able to do that and really put a lot more effort into doing research, they're going to see so many more benefits and they're going to be able to help so many people with a plant. Absolutely. Yeah. For me being on the lab side of things, um, it's really, really exciting to see all the different uh, cannabinoids being isolated and all the different compounds that are found in the plant really being scientifically explored in a way that they just really weren't being before with prohibition. So I think that there's a lot of good things to come in the, uh, in the near future. Yeah. You know, before it was just weed. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you were younger, you bought weed. You didn't it came in a bag. Green. It was green. Hopefully. You didn't buy blue dream. You didn't buy, you know, you know, uh, fire Kush or fire OG or whatever it is you bought weed. And then it was, you know, you had, you know, weed with THD content. And then it was THC and CBD. And now there's CBD, CBN, CBG, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just really, yeah, it's really incredible to see how the industry's changed. Right on. Well, if people want to get a hold of you or get a hold of the company or buy one of these fantastic shredders that you guys offer, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to either yourself or Futurola online? Definitely. I mean, you guys can, you know, you can visit our online site and we do have a page there. You can submit inquiries. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly for anything, you can email me. Uh, my email is Brie, B-R-I at futurolausa.com. And if you have any other questions that are kind of broad general questions, you can email our team at info at futurolausa.com. Brie Tolp, thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Jason. While there are many ways to mill your material down to size, Futurola shredders are the best and will definitely make life easier in the mill room. As Bree said, you can check them out at futurolausa.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-O-L-A-U-S-A.com. As always, if you want to hear about something in particular on this show, let me know. Email me, jason at modernextractor.com. If you guys like the show, please subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better guests I can bring to you in the future. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll have Adam Chambers of Delta Separations on to walk us through centrifugal extraction, as well as the ideal times, temperatures, and SOPs for the ethanol extraction process. Thanks to everyone for tuning into The Modern Extractor. New episodes will be out every Tuesday. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon.